Good morning, everyone. Thank you for <clears throat> uh, being courageous and setting out on the roads today. I know it's slick out there. Uh, so today we celebrate Epiphany. You might not know this, but one of the, the traditional names of the wise men, one of them is Balthazar. And so today's homily has to be sponsored by our good friend Hans Urs von Balthazar. So we're going to jump into that. Today is super powerful, amazing what God's Word has for us today. Um, before we jump into our main theme, I do want to talk just briefly about uh, the Magi. Who are the Magi? We should be always asking questions of Scripture. Right? When, when things are happening in Scripture that seem odd, it's a sign that someone's engaged when they say, that's strange, why is this happening? Who are these three magi that show up from the east and are there who are the first ones outside of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds to recognize Jesus? Who are these men? And we don't know for sure. The early church fathers are divided on whether they're from Arabia, and they probably think they're from Arabia because of our first reading today from Isaiah that prophesies dromedaries coming from Arabia. Right? And it says they'll bring gold and frankincense. And did you notice in Isaiah 60, it doesn't say that they will bring myrrh, which is a potential homily for any priest. It's not today's. Myrrh is what they're going to anoint Jesus with, right, when he dies. It's a symbol of his death. But it's not there in Isaiah 60. Because no one could have known that God would come to die for us. But some of the church fathers say, you know, the, the Magi are from Arabia. A number of other ones say that they're obviously from Persia, from Babylon. And that's, what I, that's my own theory, and here's why this is so cool. I just have to share this with you. So magi is a Greek word, of course. It's where we get the word magic. Uh, and what happens is in, why would they care about a Jewish king being born? In the ancient world, uh, magi are well known. And so, for instance, Cicero tells us that there was a prophecy the night that Alexander the Great was born by Magi that said that he would conquer all of the ancient Near East. And the Magi are known for these kinds of things. They're known for, for reading the future and for prophesying and naming of kings, things like this. Well, in Daniel, right, so Daniel goes into exile, the prophet, prior to the time of Christ. He's in Babylon. And Daniel is known for interpreting dreams. That's what he does for King Nebuchadnezzar, is he interprets dreams. And Daniel uh, is the prophet who is given the prophecy from Gabriel of when the Messiah will come. Daniel is the one that Gabriel comes to and says, this is when the Messiah will come, 70 weeks of years. So Daniel gets that message, and Daniel, when he's in Babylon, he's doing so well, the king promotes him, and he promotes him alongside into the company of a group that advises him, who are called the Magi. We can't prove this, we don't know this 100%, but why are these Magi looking for a Jewish king? And I think it's because God sent Daniel away into, into exile that the whole world would come to know Christ. Powerful stuff. Okay, 
So when I start a band, we'll have auditions. Um, I'm playing guitar, so you can't. Um, and I can't sing, as you know. So maybe Father Joe will sing. Uh, but when I start a band, I, one of the leading contenders for my band is going to be, uh, for, for names for the band, is it's going to be the Wealthy Celibates. I just think that's a great name. It has like a slight ring to it. Um, and in our office, we joke about this. Right? If, if Father Brian ever picks up the tab on something, people will be like, oh, FB, you can't, you're the priest, you can't do that. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm a wealthy celibate. Um, I'm not really. <laughs> in case you didn't know. <laughs> For all of you who just judge me in your hearts. There's something strange. If you ever meet a priest or a religious who actually is wealthy, there's something really wrong. It's a cause of scandal, right? This is one of the things I love about Pope Francis. I love his embrace of simplicity and of gospel poverty. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about him. Every once in a while, there's a scandal in the church, right, where we'll hear about a bishop who drives a Lamborghini, right, or who is just invested in, and has some huge kind of uh, wealth from an investment or something. Um, here's what I want to talk to you about today, brothers and sisters. There's so many themes we could talk about with the Magi and with today's beautiful feast of Epiphany, but what I want to talk about with you is a simple theme, which is love will make you poor. Love will make you poor. When you truly love someone, love always leads us to poverty. Always. For every one of us. Sometimes I preach about this at weddings. Right? We'll have a couple standing right where I'm at now. And I'll, I'll tell them that I hope that their love for each other makes them poorer. And I usually use the line, you know, that anyone who has kids knows that marriage makes you poor. You have kids and they're super expensive and they take all your money and all the, all the people who are married laugh. Um, here's what I don't mean by this. We're going to go really, I hope to go really deep with this today. I was super moved praying with this this morning. I don't mean necessarily that you will be materially poor. You might be. There's a reason why priests and religious are supposed to be at least materially simple. But what I do mean when I say love will make you poor is that anyone who loves loses their life. Anyone who loves loses their life. Today in the gospel, the Magi come. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And in the Greek, that line is so emphatic. Just over and over that they had this incredible joy when they saw the star. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. I don't know how many of you had this experience at Christmas. A common thing that happens for so many families, right, is if you have little children, 
You go out and you try to find them a cool gift, and they end up playing with a box, right? And they don't care about the gift inside. Jesus has no need for these gifts. Jesus is a baby. A baby does it. What, what use has a baby for gold? What use, right? What use has a baby for frankincense or for myrrh? Jesus has no need for these gifts. And maybe that's the point. And there's a beautiful analogy here in our lives is that we want to give things to God. If you love Him, you want to offer Him what you have. But God doesn't need us. He doesn't need what I have to offer Him. He's the Lord of the universe. He has all things. And the point isn't how talented I am or how gifted right, or how smart I am. It doesn't, those things don't matter. God doesn't need that. What matters is that there's something in our hearts that says, Lord, I love you so much, I, I can't help but fall down and worship and open my treasures to you. Balthazar says, not the wise man, but the Swiss theologian, Balthazar says, if you are a Christian, you will be dispossessed. You will be dethroned. The story of every Christian, right, is the story of how we were normal people. And I sat on this throne of my own life. When I saw the star, I rejoiced with an exceedingly great joy. And how could I do anything? How could you do anything but fall down and worship and open your treasures to the child in the manger? Love makes you poor. And the biggest poverty, brothers and sisters, isn't material poverty. This is why in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus will say, blessed are the poor in spirit. The biggest poverty is when my life is no longer mine. I had everything I had and everything I wanted before is now laid at the feet of the child in the manger. And Jesus does this, by the way. So when I was having my conversion in, in college, uh, one of my, my friends used to always say, he entered the seminary, he actually did not end up becoming a priest, but he used to always joke about how God was tricking him into the priesthood. And this is what happens, right? Is if you fall in love with God, everything is wonderful and joyful, and you don't even realize, but you're giving everything up. And you lay everything down. And it's harder than you think it is, but God, through that joy of finding him, he leads us to surrender our lives. This happens all over the Gospels, all over the place. And I hope this is your story today. If you're not there yet, if you're not in a place where you've really surrendered to Jesus, I want to encourage you to open your heart Right? When you become one of those crazy religious people, imagine people in Bethlehem, who are these, these mysterious figures from the East? 
And what the heck are they doing laying these expensive gifts in in a cave at the feet of a child? Strange scene. When people beat you, you should look weird. Right? Some of you already do. <laughs> you know, I had to throw that one in there. But your life should look strange. The lives of Christians, the world should look at us and say, gosh, you're so beautiful, you're so smart, you're so talented. Why would you lose your life? Why would you do that? And at the end of the day, all you can maybe say to them is, because love makes me poor. Love makes me poor. This is all over the gospel. In Matthew chapter 19, there's a failure in this. In Matthew 19, the rich young man comes to Jesus, right? Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Obey the commandments. He says, all these I have done from my youth. What still do I lack? Jesus says, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow And he walks away sad because he had great possessions. But he walks away sad because he doesn't love. His love is not great enough that he's willing to lose his life. When the apostles are called, in Matthew chapter 4, they leave everything and they go follow him. Two of my favorites, in Mark chapter 12, there's the widow's mite. Right? And all she has are those two tiny coins. But she loves. And she doesn't give them away in a sad way, in a, a melancholy way. She gives them away with joy. And then in one cha- one, basically one chapter later in Mark 14, and this one I just have to, let's just read this really quick. In Mark 14, Two days before Passover, while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at table. A woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the jar and poured it over his head. But there were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment thus wasted? For this ointment might have been sold for more than 300 denarii. Denarii, remember, is a day's wage. That's some expensive perfumed oil. If you love Jesus, people will think you're wasting your life. Why was the ointment thus wasted? Love makes you poor. When you really love someone, You can't help but fall on your knees and open your treasures to them. Brothers and sisters, the world should look at us this way. And I want to invite you to this today. It's not just that we should be generous. This is not just a moral injunction. This is not just Jesus telling us to behave one way rather than another. This is the law of what it means to love. If you want to do this, if you say, Father Brian, I want to grow in love. I want to love God more ardently. I want to be more generous. I want to leave behind all the things that I thought were mine, and I want to lay them down at the feet of the Christ child. How do you do that? How do I grow in that? 
I think the best way to do it, you go out today. The Archbishop started a fund for the people in Boulder County who have lost everything. You could go donate to them. That's a great practical way to do it, but there's a better way. The better way is first to realize that because love makes you poorer, the greatest example in all of history of this is him. In Colossians, St. Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. This is one more reason, right? Don't get married, become a priest, because then you can choose poverty instead of losing it to your, your, your wife and your kids. Right? We need more priests. But brothers and sisters, when you get married, when you have children, when you fall in love, most importantly, with God, you lose everything. Jesus did that for you. His love for you made him leave everything. And the irony, the great joy of the Christian, right? The great irony that you and I know as Christian men and women, the world looks at that and they say, why would you ever be a Christian? It'll make you poorer. And the secret of the Christian is that this is the path to joy. The one who seeks his own life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus, today, Lord, I know, today on Epiphany, I know today is the day that you revealed yourself to the whole world. And Lord, I pray for all those who don't know you. If there's anyone here today, Jesus, who doesn't see your glory and your beauty, Lord, will you reveal it to them today, right now? But Jesus, on this Feast of Epiphany, Lord, we rejoice that you became poor for me. That you loved me that much. You loved me so much, you loved everything. Jesus, may your poverty inspire me. May I love you enough. May I love you more today. May I again surrender my life. May my future, my today, my tomorrow, Jesus, may it be yours. Lord, may all of us today, may we love you enough to truly become poor.